All right, what's going on? Welcome into College Football Tailgate. Uh, just a quick reminder, all of these games are time-stamped for when we actually dive into the handicap. So uh, you can access this by finding the show notes on whatever platform you're listening on, and you can uh, get all of the exact timestamps there. Uh, Will and I like to go on and have fun talking about the bowl games and the themes and the Pop-Tarts and all that kind of stuff. But if you just want to get to the actual meat and potatoes, the actual handicaps, check out the timestamps, and that'll get you on your way. So uh, enjoy today's show. We'll talk to you soon right here on College Football Tailgate. And we're back. We're back, Tyler. Yeah, we're back. We're here to, to oh, we're recap back. the biggest bowl games that are left. We have the Saturday bowl games, uh, December 30th, of course. We're going to be seeing a lot of New Year's Six Bowls then, and of course the January 1st Bowl games, which include the college football playoffs. It's finally here. Well, it's really the New Year's Five this year, which is bizarre. Yeah, it's, it's only uh, five games on New Year's. The way that they, uh, well, and some of them aren't even, like, is the, uh, the Orange is, Bowl? Is the the, the Relia Quest Bowl was not even a New Year's Six Bowl. It's just being played on the first. Well, look, remember remember the good old days? You, you never marked your, your watching done until the Relia Quest Bowl, right? You sat down Never, with your parents, yes. right? Everyone gathered around the campfire and you are gathered around the the fireplace, sure. right? And, and you turn on the TV and you watch the good old-fashioned Relia Quest Bowl. I still remember mm. when I was good like maybe three years old, my grandpa, he sat me down and he pointed up at the Relia Quest building and he said, son, one day you're going to be watching the Relia Quest Bowl like I have my whole life. Exactly. And if you're lucky enough, you might work for ReliaQuest. <laughs> what does ReliaQuest even do? Special place. Should we give it a Google? Tell, tell me what ReliaQuest does. I'm going to guess that they are like uh, oh vacation search or something. Maximize your investments. Okay. So it's an investment firm. Mm-hmm. So actually probably be a good place to work if you do work there. So shout out to all the ReliaQuest employees that listen, of which there are many. Yeah, I prefer pumping and dumping in uh, Bitcoin myself. <laughs> no doubt about that. Yeah. We're, we're Doge fans here. Yeah. Um, Okay, Tyler, we are going to be breaking down these games. Now, before we get into the games, because we have, what, one, two, three, four, we have, I think, nine games to break down here uh, before the the playoffs, I did want to get your opinion on one thing. Now, the ACC is is starting to potentially crack and crumble. It's going to go the way of the Dodo or the way of the Pac-12 here pretty soon. Did you see that Florida State is suing the ACC to get out of their grant of rights deal? Such a bad move. So stupid. You think so? I think so for a lot of reasons. You know, this is so, I believe, myopic and and nearsighted and reactionary of Florida State. They're throwing a fit and they're doing it at the level where they're taking it to to legislation. Um, Look at the ebbs and flows in the sport. Now, the one constant we have is the SEC is going to be good. But even the Big Ten has ups and downs. Look at the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is arguably the second best conference this year, and they were a fucking laughing stock two years ago. So things change. And with the the inclusions to what uh, they got now, Stanford, Cal, and SMU coming, these aren't amazing schools. They're not going to blow anything away. But I believe there is upward trajectory for the ACC. There are good schools there. We're looking right now, and I know this year, maybe even last year, the ACC is not that great. But Clemson's not far from being back. I think if Dabo adjusts the way he does things, get off, you know, gets off his old man idea, you know, uh, he can start winning again. Florida State's on the rise. Look what North Carolina's doing on the recruiting trail. Like, there's a lot of positives in the ACC. I believe this to be way too reactionary on Florida State's part. I get it. Like, they're pissed off. As I said on this show, I think the best four teams probably got in, but I think Florida State got hosed based on what this sport is. What's right. the de- what's the point of going 12-0 and 0 in the ACC? So I get why they're pissed, 
but I think this is a, a lot and, and way overreacting. Look at what Jeff Brom's doing at uh, Louisville. Like, Louisville's yep. going to be good suit. So I think that the, the up arrow is on the ACC right now. But we'll see what happens in the next couple of months. Well, and they're not the only school doing it, by the way. A bunch of other – like, to me, this is – obviously, it has a lot to do with them being excluded from the playoff, but it's really – that was like the straw that broke the camel's back. Like, these right, ACC right, teams right. have all been exploring getting out of – because, A, the ACC has not done a good job of, you know, finding good TV deals to make a lot of money. It's very similar to the Pac-12 in that manner and that, like – the ACC is falling behind in revenue compared to... So let's explain that real quick to everyone who may not know. It's called the Grant of Rights, right. and it's an ACC deal they did very recently that goes until 2034. And what's happening is they, this was finalized. You're trapped. You're stuck. Yeah, this was finalized and done right before a lot of this avalanche of change happened in college football. Yep. And so they are trapped in this where... It's like $150 or $150, $150 million, million to, to, buy to, to buy out of the ACC. And so they've made it essentially impossible to buy out. And, I, and, and you know what's funny? It's only a couple years ago when everyone signed on. Why'd they do it? Because the ACC was so strong. Right. This right? is stability. And, so yes. now, and now the weakness is coming in. And it's, it's, it's funny because my argument, it's going to go back, which I think it will, but the money is real, and everyone sees Florida State and, and Clemson, and there's like a little coalition of these teams. I think it was Virginia, Virginia Tech, North Carolina maybe, who teamed up together, and they're like fighting, and I like that. It's like the... You know, it's like a, like one of these Marvel movies where they're all getting together and they're going to go fight the bad guy. But I think that the end result here is Florida State stays in the ACC, but they do restructure that grant of rights. I think that's what happens here. So um, Incredible. Why so, do you look so sad over there? Uh, no, we're just – so we're, we're time traveling. This, this podcast won't be released at the same time as the last one we just recorded, but we are recording this still on the 27th, and back we're recording back. this during games, back-to-back podcasts. Uh, Southern Cal just blocked a punt. They're up 14-7, so they're about to maybe – now they have first, second and 10 at the Louisville 8. They might go up two scores against Louisville. And the bet board game that you and I have, the Texas Bowl, Texas A&M versus Oklahoma State, uh, Texas A&M has the ball, first possession here of the game, and they're driving. It's now first and 10 at the Texas A&M 46. Well, as we C- know. A couple of first downs. After one possession, we can – That's when we cash the tickets, baby. So <laughs> yeah. Texas A&M scores here. I get a bet board victory. You heard it here first. You're just giving me so much to work with <laughs> for the audience. For the do, cut. Do you remember last year, same thing happened. I it was sure the do. Kansas Bowl game last yep. year. Yep. And they were up, I think, three touchdowns Look, when, you you know left that, when you left. I'm, I put it all out there. I put my heart on my sleeve. This is who I am. And if I want to get emotionable, <laughs> emotionable, emotionable if yes. I want to get emotional about – uh, a bowl game that we have a bet board game on immediately when my team scores and I go great game over. Uh-huh. Uh, I was so correct because of one drive. Mm-hmm. Then that's just you have to let, allow me to be me, Tyler. Okay. No, I do. Uh, I wish I had a sound effect for this, but I don't. By the way, Ryan's gone. We should let everyone sure. know because we didn't do that again. That's right. We do, we're recording back. Shout to out, back. producer. So we just Smitty. recorded last show. Yep, we miss you, yeah, Smitty. Producer Smitty's gone, so feel better. He's got Ebola. Yeah. So I'm, <laughs> so uh, I'm sitting in his seat. And I've been playing some sound clips. I like to push the buttons when I'm here. Oh, yeah. And this one's perfect for uh, our podcast today. Okay. Last game of the year. Brent can't hold anything back now. That's right. <laughs> last last time we're breaking down games, it, it, literally we will only have one more pod to break down games, and that will be the national championship game. Crazy. So uh, so sad the season is already uh, coming to an end. 21-7 sevens, uh, Southern Cal. There you go. Un- un-fucking-believable. <laughs> well. Come on, Louisville. Get it together. Um, anyway, um, now, yes, I think uh, I'll end it. What we were talking about with this one point, I think this is like the death rattle of the ACC. I think the ACC is going to end up going the same way as the Pac-12. And college football is just like 
collapsing and as at least in what what we knew it would be. And Chip Kelly's statement after the U.S. or the UCLA, UCLA game earlier this year, um, where he said we need a commissioner of college football and we need all the football major football programs to separate from their the rest of their athletic that. departments where right. you know you UCLA can continue to play in the Pac-12 and other sports and their football program is separate like that's the only way it's going to start to make sense because if the ACC dies who even knows what the future is going to look like right. and I'm just an old man that doesn't like change Tyler you are you sound like it uh should we get to the games uh, let's do it okay first before we be- we get to the games join the patreon patreon.com slash slash college football tailgate Tyler posts all of his power ratings on there this time of year, 133 of his power ratings here where you can be creating your own lines for these bowl games, finding out you know where there is an edge. Uh, and he updates these, what, daily, right? So even after we record this. So so the power ratings will get updated occasionally. Yep. Not daily, okay. but I did update them today. Okay. Some fresh ratings on the 27th for all the games Very coming fresh. up. And look, I will do like a Patreon pod or anything like that if there's news that uh, is big enough for any anything like that. So yeah. Yeah, incredible. I mean, uh, the Patreon listeners already know. They get advanced access to that, and uh, you should join it too. It's only $5 a month. Good way to support the show. But, Tyler, let's get to the games, shall let's we? Let's do it. I just had to cram one hockey bet in, and we are good. Let's go. What's the hockey bet? Let the listeners know. This is a well, non, This is a free mm, for the Patreon listeners, no, or no? No. Oh, wow. It's a, li- it's a, li- it's a live bet. Okay, live bet, so yeah, no need so for it. No need. Um, okay, well, just <laughs> tell me what side we need to be on. Dallas Stars. Let's go Stars. Let's go Dallas. Um, we start here with the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Shout out to Chick-fil-A. We Shout love out. Chick-fil-A. I love Chick-fil-A. They need new uh, uh, foil. They need new uh, sandwich containers. No, they don't. They're great. But uh, don't shout change. out Chick-fil-A. Don't change anything, Chick-fil-A. You're perfect just the way you are. And shout out to Peaches as well, the Peach Bowl. Yes. This game, of course, being played in Atlanta, Georgia, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. We have an SEC versus Big Ten matchup. The 10-2 and Ole Miss Rebels going up against the 10-2 and Penn State Nittany Lions. Uh, Penn State currently a four-and-a-half point favorite here, Tyler. The total is hovering right around 48, 48-and-a-half. 48 um, this one's really interesting because neither of these teams really have a lot of transfer portal stuff or, or opt-outs right. um very especially in, in what we're, we're becoming used to in the world of modern college football um i love that it makes me excited for this matchup to know that most of the penn state players are going to be there most of the old miss players are going to be there the quarterbacks are going to be there um i'm kind of surprised to see penn state a four and a half point favorite here i'm not going to lie tyler because we know how limited drew aller has been offensively yes they fired their offensive coordinator mike yursich he's gone um, do we know who the uh, interim play caller is going to be, Tyler? Because it's not going to be the offensive coordinator they just hired away from know. Kansas, uh, which is a great hire, by the way. That has me feeling positive for the Penn State offense in the future, next year, no doubt. But right now, I still just don't know that we're going to see you know a, a ton of really exotic play calling here. And it's against a good Ole Miss defense, too. So um, my, I for sure am taking Ole Miss plus four and a half here, Tyler. I don't think that Penn State is just that talented offensively to be able to to hammer. And by the way, this will be a theme with some of my future breakdowns, just a little bit of a uh, spoiler alert. But I think that the Big Ten was kind of overrated this year. I don't think the Penn State was very good. I don't think that Michigan or Ohio State were, were potentially that good. I don't think Iowa was that great. Um, and so when you look at a Penn, a Penn State team that really didn't have many quality wins, lost the only two games against big uh, big opponents they played, 
I just don't have a lot of faith here, and I can't believe they're four-and-a-half-point favorites. Do you know – can you see why they're favored in this game? Yeah, so, you know, this is why I think the Patreon members – and I don't want to overdo it on Patreon here, but but there is something to my power ratings. And for those brand new to the show, I do this for a living. I have for seven years now, and my power ratings are my, my juice. This sure. is what I go back to consistently, and I believe strongly in these numbers. So it's not like they're coming out of nowhere, but – it's interesting because when you get these matchups, you often get things like this where the spread doesn't necessarily make sense. But I think that if you've been following at least my rankings all year long, this does make sense. I've got Penn State. They they were all year pretty consistent, like fringe top 10, 11, 12, 13 in that range. And just to give everyone an idea of what I'm talking about, I right now have Penn State about 21 points better than the average team. Okay? Eighth in the country. I've got Ole Miss... 13th in the country, about 16.9, roughly, points better than average. So I've got this spread at like, you know, like like 4.1. Yeah. And it's four and a half. So I certainly see a little bit of value towards Ole Miss, but I don't think this line is 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 that off by any means, right? And so kind of like the last podcast we just did where it was uh, Iowa State and Memphis, right? And it seems like that 10 and a half is big. I don't think that when you... Look at the power ratings. It is that big of a deal. So I think that Penn State is a really good team, but I'm on your side here. I'm 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 with Ole Miss plus the four and a half for right. a couple reasons. I mean, you know, what does this game really mean for both teams? Is my first starting point, and I don't know if Penn State really needs this or wants this game as much as Ole Miss. What I'm here right now from Ole Miss, they're like going after this game. Uh, uh, strongly. They oh, want yeah. this. It's so funny to see. A what lot of happened. hype around Ole Miss right now, by the way, because they're killing it in the transfer portal. Absolutely. And, and it seems like Lane wants this game. On top of that, Penn State, their staff, there's a lot of instability with Penn State. Uh, defensive coordinator Manny Diaz, gone, just took a head coaching job. Their offensive coordinator was fired a couple weeks ago. Yep. So I don't love the instability with uh, Penn State compared to Ole Miss. And you talk about the Rebels, I mean... I'd like to know what it's like in those meetings because, as I said, from the outside looking in, it seems like they're pumped up. I think they're going to put a lot in for this game and be sort of all in for, for this matchup. But both these teams are going to be looking towards next season. Okay, Penn State and Ole Miss have really, really high expectations for next year. Let's quickly talk about that. I think that next year Penn State, especially if Harbaugh's gone, and we'll talk about that in the offseason, they're going to look at next year as like a circle highlight year. Ohio State may have some question marks at, at, on offense. They're losing Marvin Harrison. Question mark right now at, at quarterback, certainly. Penn State has next year circled. But guess who also does? Ole Miss. Dude, Ole Miss is making some serious moves right now. They got a lot of money they flowing are in through the NIL. in on next year. So I yep. think it's kind of irresponsible not to say that they're an early at least fringe contender for the natty next season so you know what's kind of underrated about this game is these bowl games dictate early ap ap rankings next year and ap uh uh project or uh the perception of teams right so i think and i read this online from a couple different sources i think the winner of this game is going to be Ranked in the top five. I 100%. think that next year's AP voters are going to say the winner of this game gets the nod. So there's actually more to play for than meets the eye, I believe. Um, all that put together. And we have to say this. There's going to be news that comes out closer to game day. We don't know a ton about some of the opt-outs. And this is one of the few games where, unfortunately, 
for whatever reason, both coaches keeping it very close, who's going to be gone and who's going to play. So I don't like doing the pod without having this info, but unfortunately we have to. So it's a lean towards Ole Miss, but because of the the lack of information right now, it can only be a lean. So Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I like, I like Ole Miss here plus the four and a half points. Um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned it, right? Like, I, I think that Ole Miss has a lot going on right now as far as positives, but Penn State actually does too. Yeah, they lose their coordinators, but to them, losing Mike Yurcich is a great thing. Like, pe- trust me, Penn State fans are fucking ecstatic about that, and they hired this this Kolnicki guy from Kansas who was the offensive coordinator. Well, look, I'm not saying fans aren't excited. I'm not even saying there wasn't a good firing in, in, right. the, in there, but what I'm saying is – it's so much better to have the continuity of the same coach all season 100%. long. Even if this uh, new coach is did 10 times better, it's not going to have long enough to implement new new features, new schemes, things yep. like that. So I think continuity at this point in the year is actually more important. But I get what you're saying. The fans are excited about this. How much does it matter, though, in this matchup? Yeah, 100%. Um, and by the way, both these none of these coaches have had incredible bowl records. Uh, like Lane Kiffin is actually 3-4 and four, uh, record in bowl games. James Franklin is six and five bowl record. However, one interesting little factoid here that the listeners might love for the last one, two, three, four, six bowl games that James Franklin has had at Penn State, he has never won two bowl games in a row. He's always he's going to win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. Last year they won the Rose Bowl. Fade them. So this year, fade them. They're going to lose for sure. Hashtag analysis. Fade em. Um, next bowl game up. The Trans Perfect Music City Bowl. I don't know what Trans Perfect is, but it sounds mm. funny given the modern uh, <laughs> modern time. It sounds like it's uh, something on the spectrum, perhaps. The Trans Perfect Music City Bowl. Trans Perfect is a uh, translation company. Oh, <laughs> interesting. So they has should nothing change to do with surgeries or anything like that. They should change their name. I mean, I don't know. I mean, like you know, maybe don't change it, but it just sounds. I don't know, and now it's such a, a commonly talked about topic, not to get political, that when I just see trans perfect, that's just what I think. So guess what their revenue was last year? Uh, four hundred million. One point one bill. Ouch. Okay. Oof. I mean, that sounds nice. So shout out to all the trans perfect yeah. employees. No that listen to the show, of <laughs> yeah. which there are many. Um, we have the uh, the Music City Bowl, of course, in Nashville, Music City, uh, Nissan Stadium. I believe is that where? Um, this is where the Titans play. I believe, right? I don't Nissan know. Nissan Stadium, Nashville, Tennessee, I believe it is. Um, can you give that a goog uh, quickly? This is a... Yeah, Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. Nashville, Tennessee, Nissan uh, Stadium, I tell you what. 2 p.m. Eastern, okay. 11 a.m. Pacific, Auburn versus Maryland, 6-6 mm. six and six Auburn Tigers versus the 7-5 and five Maryland Terrapins. Uh, the biggest of all the names that could be in the portal this year, or, or excuse me, in the uh, exempt in list the... for the bowl game, is uh, Tua Jr., Talia, T- Tungavailoa, mm-hmm. Tua's younger brother, has opted out. He's preparing for the NFL draft. That has a huge effect on this, and that's why I think why we're seeing Auburn is a seven-point favorite here versus Maryland, Tyler. Uh, 47.5 points, 47.5 for the total. Is this a play for you? Are you staying away on this game? No, this is one where I go, Jiminy Christmas. Jiminy Christmas. Because Auburn has moved from two and a half to seven. Yep. I mean... I hate taking the tail end of these numbers. I hate taking the tail end of these moves. And it matters. It matters a lot. I mean, we're going through major, major numbers here. So 
No, I mean, I still like Auburn in this game. I love the matchup here. I think they're going to go all out, but the number's not good now when I had so many days to make a better line. So it's a pass for that reason, but I do lean Auburn for several reasons. Maryland, as you mentioned, missing several key pieces, none bigger than uh, Tunga Viola, but they're also missing four cornerbacks, two receivers, two tight oh, yeah. ends, a lot of guys, two up. linebackers, three cornerbacks. It's just unreal. Now, Auburn missing a very good D tackle in two corners, but aside from those question marks in the secondary, uh, Auburn's got a lot of back. But look, this matchup also, is Maryland really equipped to take advantage of those players missing in the secondary for Auburn? I'm not so sure, at least not over 60 minutes. I don't think so. So I see why money's come in on Auburn. I agree with that money. I wish I was part of that early money, which I unfortunately wasn't. But I can't take seven when it was two, even three, uh, a couple days ago. So that's the story of that line. I like the matchup. I like Auburn in every way, but we're just getting the worst of it right now. What we're doing is Black Friday happened and they had TVs, big, juicy, giant, nice TVs on sale. See something juicy, you gotta have it. For like 50 bucks. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then they went back to normal prices in the afternoon. Okay. But all those sold out. And now there's two left in the back, but the guy's like, yeah, you can have it, but you're gonna have to pay double. Right, ah, that's where we're left with these TVs. So, man, if baby. you want to play, if you, exactly. So, if you want to pay double in this example, be my guest and take Auburn minus seven. But you missed out on so many good opportunities. I just can't do that. Okay, fair enough. Um, by the way, live. Uh, I I think I would lean with with now the lines up to seven. I'd lean Maryland plus seven here. Um, uh, both these coaches have good bowl records. By the way, Mike Loxley. Uh, only two bowl games, both the last two years. He's two and zero. Hugh Freeze six and two historically uh, in bowl games. So um, I would lean Maryland plus the seven, but don't love it right now either way. Um, right. Right. Next up, we have the Capital One Orange Bowl. This really should just be the third playoff game. It should be a uh, additional playoff game because these are the two teams that feel like they got screwed and were left out. We have the Orange Bowl matchup of Georgia versus Florida State. Of course, 12-1 Georgia, only lost in the SEC championship game to Alabama. Florida State, perfect 13-0, and um, but no quarterback. So this game is being played at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. Currently, Georgia a 19-point favorite, Tyler. This number has shot up since we found out that uh, Nate uh, Rodemaker, uh, the Roadmaker, as we call him, the Road Grader. Yep. So we call him. Uh, is, is, it, is it Nate or Tate Roadmaker? I'm pretty sure it's Tate. Tate, sorry. Tate Roadmaker, shout out. Um, he uh, is entered the transfer portal, so he's gone. So who even knows who the Florida State quarterback is going to be because now we're down. He was already like the third option, and now we're going to be down to I'm not even sure who. So where are the points going to come from for Florida State? I don't love this game, especially with this line being as large as it is, Tyler. Mm-hmm. Um, Georgia has a ton of opt-outs as well on the defensive side especially. Um, but Carson Beck is going to be playing. Of course, he's returning uh, for another year. I just don't know how Florida State is going to score any points in this game. Like Their well, offense we, was we, already we bad should, We should. I think Tate's going to play. He is transferring, but I believe oh, he's going to play. you're kidding me. Yeah, okay. so as as of today, the news I heard the is road Tate Rodemaker expected to play and get his second career start. So... Um, that will matter. Look, I, I think this, to me, this all comes down to Florida State just so dejected. They've been distracted. They're suing the ACC. Yep. There's so much going on. I, I don't like this game at all. I'm going to stay away from this. There's a much better game going on 30 minutes later that we're about to break down next. So I like that game a lot more. I'm probably going to be watching that other game a lot more because I'm not interested in this game. Like, I've got Georgia right now. Well, here's the thing. We talked about the power ratings. Let's see here. I've got Georgia the best team in the country right now. 28.85. And just to let you know, I've got a cluster. I've got Georgia, 28.85, number one. I've got Michigan, 28.42, number two. 
I've got Alabama third, 28.16. So cluster teams right there at the top, who in my mind are clearly better in college football. But let's go down to... Florida State. I've got Florida State 14. 14 points better than average right now. So given everything, I've got Georgia about 14 to maybe 15 points better. Uh, so that's where I see this number being as a base. And then you add on top maybe the motivation, things like that. Look, I may lean Florida State in this game. I don't have a bet certainly either way. I don't like betting this game when there's so little for each of these programs to play for in this spot. So I think it's going to be someone's got to win, but I'm not betting on this one. Okay. I If I had to, I would lean. Now that it's up to 19, I still think this Florida State defense is talented enough to uh, – you know, to to keep them in the game, and I think 19 points is a large number. But again, I just number, don't know. Number six overall FEI defense is really good defense, yeah. super talented. Now, how many of those guys are actually going to play? We'll find out because there are some star players that we do expect to sit out. Um, but you know, again, I like I just don't know where Florida State's going to get the points from offensively, and I certainly hope they're motivated. Again, like you know, you get why every Florida State fan, all the players and the coaches are upset uh, as far as why they were left out of the playoff. Uh, but we're seeing why, and it's you know it's reflective here with the number uh, against Georgia. So uh, I'll lean Florida State, uh, but not loving it either way. Now we move on to maybe the coolest matchup of all between the two most blue blood programs in the whole world, Tyler. Mm-hmm. We have the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl. We have Toledo versus Wyoming. The Rockets versus the Cowboys. Yeah, good matchup. Great matchup. Love, looking forward to it. It's now, the Space Cowboy game. I, I don't love this whole barstool gimmicky stuff they do. Mm. I, I would rather watch the game. I'm kind of old school that way. Right. So I'm really not looking forward to that because I will have money on this game, and I do think that Wyoming's the, the side here. Uh, a little spoiler alert, but... Yeah, so, and by the way, this is going to be going on during the game we just handicapped, Ohio right. State, Georgia. So I'm watching this game, but uh, yeah, 100%. I'm on Wyoming minus three. It's in uh, Tucson, Arizona, of course, at Arizona Stadium. Uh, Wyoming minus three, as Tyler said, total of 44 and a half. Well, you know, the, the one note I'll give here is that um, Wyoming's head coach, um, Craig Bull. Craig Bull, thank you. This is his final game. He's and he's been the coach at Wyoming now for like a century. Since 2014. Yes, incredible. And so this is he's announced that he's retiring after this. Um, you know, this this will be his last game for Wyoming and I think you're going to see so much effort from the players because this is players love him. Um, and so that's that's the main motivating factor for me with this matchup and why I like Wyoming minus three as well. Why don't you give your breakdown though, Tyler? Yeah, it's certainly part of it. Uh, also, a big part is Daquan Finn, the quarterback for Toledo, is transferring to Baylor. So he's going to be gone. And they're also missing their best offensive lineman, Vinny Scurry. Vinny is scurrying on out of town. So uh, we had an idea that was going to be the case. We did. We uh, kind of had our pulse on Toledo and a lot of what we thought was coming true, which is why their power rating didn't change too much in this most recent update. But I do think that we're looking at a Wyoming team that, according to the power ratings, is just as good as Toledo with Daquan Finn. Now it's an easier matchup for Wyoming defensively. Will mentioned uh, Craig Bull on his way out after great career with the Wyoming hugely emotional game for this team this, these players and this entire week for Wyoming it's been big so uh, let's look at this season stats you take away all those side stories all the narratives this season numbers wise Wyoming number 60 FEI offense number 63 FEI defense Toledo number 57 FEI offense and number 53 defense so that tells me that again without all these missing pieces we're, t- we're looking at two very very similar teams Without them, I think Wyoming is the clear side here. So um, I actually really like Wyoming this season. Now, if you look at their overall record, 
maybe you don't agree necessarily, but their four losses were to good teams. I mean, we're talking Texas, Air Force, Boise, UNLV. Yep. Really good wins, too, against Fresno. I'd say the win against App State and Texas Tech were good wins, and they can stop those teams who prefer to air it out as well, but they're versatile. They can stop the rush, and Toledo is a team who really wants to run the football. They have over 200 rushing yards per game, but I don't love this matchup again against a good rush defense for Wyoming, and uh, yeah, we're going to take the Cowboys minus three in the Arizona Bowl. The Space Cowboy Bowl. Cowboys over Rockets. Now, a live update on some scores. It's halftime of the Holiday Bowl. Mm. USC scored 21 points in the second quarter. They're up 28-14 on Louisville. Us Cardinal betters hating our life right now. Uh, Update on the Texas Bowl. Right now, Texas Ames should be kicking a field goal to potentially tie the game. It's currently 3-0 Oklahoma State. But Texas A&M has the ball fourth and nine at the 19-yard line. If I keep extending this talk, there it is. They kick the field goal <laughs> to tie. It's now 3-3. So uh, as things currently stand, uh, would be a push on the bet board if this game just ties with, <laughs> with neither team winning, Tyler. As Actually, just kidding. Stand. Uh, as it currently stands, you would be winning the bet board because you have two points uh, cushion there. Two points cushion. Yeah, you got it at a really good number. I unfortunately yes. took Texas A&M when they were plus – or no, they were minus two. Yes. And they – what closed it – Plus three and a half. Unbelievable. Yes. Um, Okay, we move on to the January 1st games, the first games of 2024, the actual New Year's Six Bowl games. Um, These are the marquee ones. We're excited about this. We'll start with the early 10 a.m. kickoff for uh, Wisconsin versus LSU. And Sorry, that's 10 a.m. Mountain, noon Eastern. Uh, Wisconsin versus LSU. This is the ReliaQuest Bowl. We talked about ReliaQuest. Shout out to the ReliaQuest family. Uh, Wisconsin versus LSU. Wisconsin, of course, went seven and five in the Big Ten. LSU went nine and three. They had the Heisman winner, Jaden Daniels. He is out. He's he's opted out. He's preparing for the NFL. He will not be playing in this. And yet, LSU still a ten point favorite here at Raymond James Stadium. Of course, the 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 game being played in Tampa. Um, total for fifty five and a half. Tyler, um, I don't see even with a ten point spread. I'm not seeing a lot of reason to take Wisconsin here, even with. With Jaden Daniels being out, like LSU has one of the best backup quarterbacks in the whole country. Um, are you going to be fading LSU here, or are you willing to lay this many points? Where, where do you stand on this game? Is this a bet? No, uh, it's not a bet. I would lean strongly towards LSU as well. Okay. Um, my question with them is do they want to be here? But I think so from what I've heard so far. Again, you mentioned Jaden Daniels not playing. That's a big key here. Really good cornerback. Uh, Sage Ryan also not playing. Aside from a couple of injuries, not missing that much. Again, to echo what you said for LSU. Uh, Wisconsin missing some of those key pieces, but I actually think that this is like a macro viewpoint thing about Wisconsin, and I believe I may have overreacted to the immediacy of the impact Luke Fickle would have. I know he's a good coach. I still think he's a great coach, but it's going to take him a little bit. It's going to take him a few years, and given the four-point downgrade for missing Daniels for LSU, which may be too much, too much like Will said, given Nussmeyer and how good he is as a backup, either way, with that downgrade, I still have LSU almost 12 points better, so... Uh, yeah, it's a power ratings play. I like taking LSU in this spot, but, you know, I just – early game, do they want to be here? But I think it's a strong lean for me at uh, 10. Incredible. Okay, uh, I'm on LSU as well. Um, just no reason for me to see taking Wisconsin. I just don't see how they're going to be able to score to keep up with LSU in this game. Um, we move on to the the Fiesta Bowl. I love this matchup. The Verbo or VRBO. I always called it VRBO, but apparently it's Verbo. Do you ever, you ever verboed? No. Tyler, no? no. You ever Airbnb'd? No. Never? No. 
You're a hotel guy. Hotel guy through and through. I've heard too many fucked up stories about Airbnbs. So I was always a hotel guy. Then I swung when uh, when Airbnb and, and Verbo kind of first came around. Everyone was doing it. I was doing that. And now I'm squarely back in the hotel category. I don't want to have to take out the trash right. and load the dishwasher no, of where I'm stupid. going before I move out and then still have to pay a $400 cleaning fee. It's ridiculous. It's fucking garbage. Hotels know what they're doing. You check out at 11. They clean all your shit for you. You don't have to load dishes or see, take out the see, garbage. I figure you'd be one of those uh, hipster people who goes and stays in like the big giant potato. Mm, well, I mean, or, that would be fun. I would do. I would stay in the big giant potato. Yeah. But that's or like it, the old castles. If there if there was a castle or a potato hotel, I would do that as well. <laughs> in fact, I would rather have cleaning service and a concierge and all that, and not have to like text the guy to be like, "What's your Wi-Fi password when you get to the Airbnb?" It's ridiculous. It's a, it's garbage and it's a scam. I think. And yeah. uh, and people are waking up to it. The people are waking up. Um, they are. People are waking up. But anyway, the VRBO finally waking up. Exactly. Open their eyes. Those fucking sheep. They're gonna be right <laughs> back at the La Quinta Inn with us uh, soon enough. <laughs> VRBO, the Fiesta Bowl. This game, of course, being played in Glendale, Arizona, State Farm Stadium. We have Liberty, thirteen and zero Liberty against eleven and two Oregon. Oregon, a sixteen and a half point favorite here over Liberty. Tyler, total of sixty-seven and a half points. Um, this game strictly comes down to motivation for me for Oregon because Oregon, oh, yeah. Oregon should be good enough to destroy Liberty. But you know, you look at a thirteen-zero Liberty team like they're going to be excited for this for the opportunity to upset Oregon. We we've seen this a lot where a a group of five team um, ends up in this case Liberty's. You know, uh, I believe they're a um, independent team, right? But they, they're essentially a. Uh, a you know a group of five team because they're independent they're just not Notre Dame right um, where that team gets to one of these New Year's Six bowls and they actually do really well against a you know often a group of five program that doesn't want to be there we've seen it happen Central Florida did it a couple times in the past um, we've seen other teams do this and so it's all about motivation because if Oregon is motivated and they play well I think they will blow the doors off of Liberty but I'm kind of enticed you know, to, to take Liberty here plus the 16 and a half points, Tyler. Is this a bet game for you? No, it's a lean Liberty. I will have some bets coming up here, though. But uh, this one, no real strong feeling either way. I would, again, lead towards uh, Liberty again, or usually with teams like Liberty. You get a bunch of opt-outs with their better players. You've seen this with, uh, like, JMU this year, right, where, like, half their roster is transferring because it's a team perceived to not be that good with a lot of good talent. But... That's not the case with Liberty. So you get a lot of these players coming back. Now, sure, they're losing their D-lineman, uh, Kendi Charles. They're losing cornerback Preston Hodge. But not a whole lot other than that from a production point of view. Oregon, missing a couple opt-outs, but really not that much. Now, here's the thing with Oregon. A lot of potential opt-outs. Here's the list of potential opt-outs. Potential. Wide receiver Troy Franklin. Wide receiver Tez Johnson. Offensive tackle Andre Cornelius. Edge defender Brandon Dorless, edge defender Jordan Birch, and safety Tyson Johnson, all of whom are big impact players. So I just look at a team in Oregon that do they want to be there? It's Liberty. Maybe if it were a bigger matchup, they'd be excited, but they lost their last game to go to the playoff. I mean, they they thought if they win, they're in, and they lost that game. It's heartbreaking. So it's kind of like a how up can they really be to go play Liberty as 16 right. point favorites? Now, uh, Bo Nix is playing, right. right? He's he's leaving, but he is playing this game, and I just have question marks about that. So I'd lean Liberty. No real strong play either way, though. Here, okay, fair enough. I lean Liberty as well. Um, we move on to the Cheez It Bowl. 
Or sorry, the cheese at Citrus Bowl. It should just be the cheese at Bowl. I know, Citrus and Cheese. They're, they're dumping a Gatorade jug of cheese that's on the coach, not oranges. Yeah. So I'm that's not. stupid. Or they need to do better with the uh the advertising. The yeah. sponsorship. The cheese at Citrus Bowl. It's just that uh, you can't Cheez Its and Citrus don't mix. There's well, no citrus option. And as for we Cheez-Its. learned last year on the podcast, Will actually prefers fat free Cheez Its. Mm, so. I was I was uh, you know what? I, I may have you know, taken I feel like the Pepsi <laughs> challenge is, is not a uh-huh. is not rooted in science. It's a trick it's a trickery method to trick your mind into thinking which one is better. Just explaining the results. Um the Camping World Stadium, of course, where this is being played in Orlando, Florida. We've got ten and three Iowa against eight and four Tennessee. Another under, Big Ten under, SEC under, matchup. That's under, right. Are we under. riding the Iowa under again? Tennessee is favored by six and a half points here. Uh, down from seven with the news that Joe Milton will not be playing. He's preparing for the NFL draft. So Tennessee going to be starting a true freshman. Now, this kid is a five-star recruit, uh, seemingly very talented, but really hasn't played much, and they're favored by six points here over Iowa. The total is only 35 and a half. The Iowa under lives on. Are we taking the under, Tyler? Well, this is part of my I-taught BS, my I-T-O-T-B-S. I-T-O-T-B-S. My irresponsible teaser of the bull season. Oh. Okay, so we're doing it. We're teasing a couple teams. Now, you should find even money teasers out there for six-point college football teasers. So here's what we're doing. We're teasing the under in Tennessee, Iowa. Okay, so we're going to tease this from 35 and a half, from 55, from a 35 and a half to 40 to 42 and a half. Nice. Oh, Uh, seven points. Okay. Excuse me, six points. So 41 and a half. Okay. So uh, I actually got a 42, yeah, but we'll give it a 41 and a half. So six-point teaser to 41 and a half. I mean, seems silly. I don't even think we need it. The Iowa under is undefeated, Tyler. Now, the other leg, there's going to be a spoiler alert Ooh, here. okay. We're going to tease it with Alabama from plus one and a half to plus seven and a half. Ooh. So under Tennessee, Iowa, 41 and a half, uh-huh. and Alabama plus seven and a half in a two-team six-point teaser. Let's go. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm all over Iowa here. I like Iowa plus six and a half. Loved them when they were plus seven. Um, you know, this is the, the, we know what the Iowa defense does. It it's it's disciplined. It's really tough on quarterbacks. And even though this guy is a highly touted recruit, like this is not the first start you want for your future star quarterback. Like, yeah, maybe he'll be great and he'll tear him up, and then everyone will go, well, th- now we know why this guy was five stars, but. Typically, you want to give that guy like a tune-up game against, you know, um, Middle Tennessee State or whatever. Right. Like playing the Iowa defense in a bowl game, like that's this is a dangerous spot for Tennessee. I think Iowa could win this game outright. I like them as a money line team, um, and I like the under as well. So we're riding the Iowa train. This is uh, Brian Ferentz's last game coaching uh, the offense at Iowa. I think the the offense will kind of play all out for him as well. Not that that really matters. That might just mean they score a touchdown as opposed to two field goals. Um, but I think the, the defense keeps them in this. I like Iowa in, in all the scenarios, under and against the points. Yeah, I mean, look, I was on the under for a reason. I don't, I'm not taking any play based on the pure flat numbers. But, you know, Tennessee is losing four key defenders. So they're going to have some holes on that defense. And if they, if there is any mental lapse, I think Iowa maybe can take a little bit of advantage. But it's that bad offense for Iowa. But look, I'm not saying anything anyone doesn't know. Bad offense, amazing defense, going up against a wounded Tennessee team that may not be that that motivated. So, yeah, I like teasing it and going with the under. I even I would go under, you know, with that 35 and a half. Now I like my bet a little bit better, but I think it's going to be a, a 
defensive game, classic Iowa, like Will said. Run the clock out, and now we'll take uh, under with the T's. Okay, let's go Hawkeyes. Uh, live update on the Texas uh, the, the tax act, Texas Bowl. Oklahoma State has scored. It is 10-3 Cowboys. Uh, Tyler wins the bet board. It's <laughs> over, folks. He's got a bet board victory. Uh, and he's one up officially. We're locking on the board, and by uh, no way is this me trying to jinx it at all. Thank you. Ten uh, three, Oklahoma State. Reverse jinx, right? <laughs> exactly. Kinda. Um. Next up, the playoffs. We're here, Tyler. The playoffs. college football playoffs are set, and I gotta say, I don't know that both these games are gonna be close. They may not be massive blowouts, which of course we're trying to avoid because historically that's been an issue with the college football playoff. But I love these because this is the first playoff where I really look at all four teams and I go, I could see this team winning the national championship. I could see all four of these teams doing it. Honestly, if things just shake out right a little bit, um, I could see that. Yeah, insert uh, our classic listener going, yeah, except for Washington. Which yeah, yeah. I could see it too. I could see Washington winning. I agree. One hundred percent, man. I mean, like these are all really good teams. So we'll start off with the the Rose Bowl game, of course, uh, which is the one versus four, Michigan versus Alabama. Being played at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. Beautiful weather, of course, at the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all. And we have Michigan minus one and a half points. They opened around two. This is a low total, 44 and a half points. Um, as a Michigan fan, Tyler, this game scares the shit out of me. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm terrified of Alabama. I wish that we could have gotten Florida State in so Michigan would have a better chance in the first <laughs> round to go to a national championship game. Yeah. But I'm terrified. But the weird thing is that even though I mentioned it before, like I think the Big Ten wasn't that good this year. I don't think that I think that this is one of Ohio State's worst teams in the last like eight years. Um, and Michigan, you know, struggled to beat them. Penn State, I think, was overrated. I don't think Iowa was very good, of course, outside of just having a, a, a solid defense. And I'm not really sure how good Michigan is. They haven't played that many people. They played a bunch of cupcakes for the first eight weeks of the season. Um, and the only thing that gives me hope as a Michigan fan is that the number has stayed right around two points. It's come down to one and a half. I wouldn't be surprised to see more movement come in on Alabama, but almost, I mean, like the vast majority of the money and the tickets is on Alabama here. Almost no one is picking Michigan, and that, oddly enough, makes me feel good too because I feel like everyone was picking Michigan against TCU last year, and I was wary of it, but I still felt confident, and when everyone is on one side, I feel like you know maybe that means it's a good thing that Michigan is actually favored in this um, or that it's realistic. Now, Ultimately, what I think it's going to come down to is can Michigan run the ball in Alabama? And we saw like Auburn was there. Auburn ran it for like six yards a carry against Alabama in the Iron Bowl. If Michigan can do that and get some push, they have a chance. If they don't, they have no chance because Alabama's secondary is incredible. Michigan's passing, you know, they just don't have a lot of targets in the passing game. They don't have dominant wide receivers. They just have one really good tight end or two really good tight ends, I should say, and then a run game. And so. I think that, you know, some of the issues that we saw with Michigan towards the down the stretch were a lot of guys were banged up and now they've had a month to get healthy. That helps them. But ultimately, like this is Nick Saban. And, you know, I think that if Michigan can't create a pass rush to get after Jalen Milrow, which, by the way, I don't expect them to do. Michigan's pass rush has not been good this year against all the teams that, you know, were, were better teams in their schedule. They really didn't create a ton of pass rush. They didn't get a ton of sacks. Um, if they can't create pressure on Milrow and and keep him from scrambling around and and hitting deep passes, it's going to be a very long day for Michigan. You know, like I feel that maybe the SEC didn't have a great year either, so I don't know how good Alabama truly is either. 
So like part of me goes, okay, actually this is maybe Michigan's best chance to win a national championship yet. I just don't see it. I, I, I don't think that betting against Alabama when they're underdogs is ever a smart thing. If I had to bet the money on it, I'd bet Alabama plus one and a half, Tyler. Yeah, I would too, absolutely. Um, I'm going to give Alabama out at one and a half. I already gave them the teaser, but I do like them. And uh, I'm probably going to sprinkle a little cheddar on Moneyline as well. Yeah, I've got these teams pretty close to my power ratings, maybe uh, like .3 points to Michigan, but very, very close. Alabama actually is one of my most improved teams through the season. Now, if I go back and look at week five, okay, I had Alabama about six points worse than I do now. Yep. Now, I had Michigan about two points worse than now, but if they're both even, obviously a lot of improvement for Alabama with minimal improvement for Michigan. Now, what does that mean? That just means that Michigan was more elite before. I'm not saying Michigan isn't this amazing team. They are great. And that's what's funny is, on paper, Michigan is is actually tremendous. We'll get there in just a second. So, with these power ratings, after Alabama lost to Texas and then beat USF 17-3, and you get these morons like Paul Feinbaum saying is, you know, Nick Saban on the hot seat. Um, Hashtag fire Saban. It's so stupid. Every time he's in one close game, it always he's happens. He's over the hill, Tyler. And, uh, you know, so, so, you know, I go back to that point in the year. And, I look, I, I, I was asking some questions, too, in terms of their elite nature. But we have to give it up to Alabama for the evolution of this team, specifically this 100%. offense, right? And it, it comes from a pure talent st- standpoint but also an X's and O's standpoint, specifically running Jalen Milrow more. Now, some of that I understand is wanting to keep Milrow healthy throughout the course of the season, but it was staggering. When Jalen Milrow, uh, he went from the 57th overall quarterback in the country to the number three overall quarterback in the country in terms of his worth against the spread when he started running the football more. This is a clear demarcation. And the numbers, when you split it off, he's a much better quarterback when he runs. And I think it's a good situation for Alabama because this is the last game of the season, right? Last game of the year, Brent. Can't hold anything back now. So, yes. Hopefully it's the last game of the season for Alabama. Well, there you go. Well, this could be the last game of the year. But uh, they're getting towards the point where running the quarterback and these must-win situations will call for the quarterback to use his legs, right? It's the same thing in the NFL. Like, the more... The closer we get to the playoffs, the more you're going to see Baltimore use Lamar Jackson on the ground specifically in those key situations. Same thing here with Alabama, and I expect it in this game with Milrow. Um, so it's that's all goes into the progression I talked about, right? Not only in, in Milrow as a quarterback, but also his role in the offense. So yes, he's getting better, but also the offense around him is getting better. And one aspect of that improvement has been the offensive line. And we'll mention the defensive line for Michigan, I kind of agree with that, that although they've had really good numbers this year, I'm not so sure it translates to these kind of matchups. Now, again, Alabama has had question marks all year at offensive line. I will admit that. At one point in the year, it was that horrible Colorado Buffalo's offensive line giving up sacks, and number two right behind them was Alabama. Now, that's improved, but they still gave up four sacks against Georgia in the SEC championship. So I do wonder, I do wonder how truly good is Michigan's defensive line. And I kind of, it's funny, I kind of think that with Michigan in general. You know, like, like I don't know what we can take away from Michigan this year. On paper, they're one of the best teams in football. Hell, on paper, 
they're one of the best teams, the most well-rounded teams we've seen the last five seasons. Yeah. But I had serious question marks about their schedule. And this is what I think is silly about college football. I love college football. We do this podcast every season. I absolutely love the sport, but it's dumb what happens. How some seasons you can go through an entire year and you get teams like Michigan where, what do they have, like two and a half data points we can look at? Right. This is this is silly. Like yep. That's why the future of college football is going to be so great when there's all big matchups, none of this nonsense. So, look, outside of... Michigan's 24-15 win at Penn State and their 30-24 win against Ohio State, can we really, even including Iowa, can we really look at any of those games and say, this is a data point we can apply to the Alabama matchup? And on the other side, I mean, look who Alabama's played. They played Texas non-conference. They played Ole Miss, underrated road games at A&M and Auburn. They played Tennessee. They played LSU. They played Kentucky on the road. Well, in that game, 49-21. And, oh, yeah, they beat Georgia in the, in the SEC championship. I mean, yep. and, and not only that, we've seen them do it this season, and we've seen Saban do it over and over. Nick Saban is 9-4 and four in the college football playoff. He's 19-11 and 11 in bowl games. You compare that to Harbaugh. Who's zero and two in the playoff? Yeah, and hasn't won a bowl game in like six fucking years. He's three and seven in bowl games in his career, yep. and so you just put all that together, and I see a lot more avenues here for Alabama to do what they do and win. And here, let me ask you a question. I think that this is the biggest point of the entire handicap for everyone out there wanting to dive into this game. You've got to answer one question. This may be the first question you ask yourself: What is Jim Harbaugh's mindset going into this game? Because Michigan wins by playing Michigan football. And it was a couple years ago where Jim Harbaugh said, okay, we're not going to beat Ohio State by getting faster on the outside and getting quicker on defense. We're going to beat Ohio State by getting more physical and doubling down on what we do and making it uncomfortable in that matchup. And so Michigan plays Michigan football, and they bully teams. Well, you watch every game they play. Oh, yeah. They win teams because they're better at the line, both offensive and defense, and they bully teams. So... We all have to ask ourselves, what is Harbaugh more likely to do? Is he more likely to say, this is the kind of football we play, we're not going to change it, what got us here we're going to do? Or is he more likely to say, we have to change what we're going to do because it's not going to work against Alabama? Now, you would know, know better than me, but let me tell you my initial approach. I think based on Harbaugh's personality, he is one of those good old, simple, don't overthink it type of guys. Oh, yeah. and so I think he's much more likely to say, no, no, like I just didn't picture him in an interview. Hey, we got here doing this. We're going to do this. We go down doing what we do. That's fine. But we're going to play our football. So I think they're more likely to do that, which inherently gives them a worse chance to win the game. So what do you think? I mean, <clears throat> yes, I think in general you're correct, especially during the regular season. What we have seen with them in bowl games specifically, though, like when they have a month to prepare, sometimes they do change some things out. Like that TCU game, they passed the ball a ton, and they were a team that, that lined up and ran the ball like all series, all season long last year. Um, however, like you know, they have they've said they've changed up some things with their preparation this year because they know they haven't won bowl games. They haven't done fared well in bowl games. So what they're actually doing is they're doing less hitting in practices because they felt like guys were like beat up and, and exhausted come mm. bowl game. Um, but as far as like game plan goes, it, the funny thing is that with this matchup is that it doesn't matter either way because either they're going to go, yes, we want to run the ball, we're going to run the ball, or they're going to say, hey, let's expo exploit Alabama's you know um, weaknesses defensively, which is stopping the run. 
Like, they're a really good pass defense. They have two of the best corners in the whole country, Kool-Aid McKinstry and the other guy. So even if they were to say, well, let's change up our thing here, I still think ultimately it would come down to we're going to attack them with the run game. We might utilize the tight ends in a different way, you know, more two tight end sets or something like that potentially, but I don't think they're all of a sudden going to want to come out and air it out 40 times in the game unless they get down early or let's say they try running it the first two drives and get nowhere and then maybe they change things up. But ultimately, I think they're going to want to try to run the ball and the real question will be, can they do it? And again, like if you watch the Alabama against Georgia or the Alabama against or against uh, Auburn, like it seems like those are two different Alabamas, but really I'm not sure they are. I think that maybe just Auburn attacked them in a different way than Georgia did as far as the run game. And frankly, Georgia wasn't very good at running the ball all year long. And so... Um, if Michigan can get push with the offensive line, I actually think they have a great chance at winning this game. Um, if they end up having to throw the ball a lot to stay in it, that's what worries me. I feel like I'm cautiously optimistic as a Michigan fan, but my gut tells me that the Big Ten was not good this year and that Michigan is not nearly as good as what their stats and their rankings say. I do think they have a really good defense um, that can limit Alabama's ability to run the ball, and they have a really good secondary that can match up with some of their weapons in the passing game, but um, if Milrow isn't getting pressured and that dude just has time to sit back there and pick us apart, he will do that. He, yeah, he's proven it. So um, leading Alabama here plus one and a half, unfortunately. I want. I actually want Michigan to win. Well, I don't me know, too. Well, I mean, I just have like Alabama fatigue. I, sure. I, it would be great to see Michigan in the natty. And you know what it is too? I like watching Michigan play. Like I watching, I like watching him play. I, I think it's like their jerseys. I like great helmets. Yeah, sure. I like I like watching Michigan play. So. I certainly won't be upset. Well, for my bet, I will be. But it would be fun to see a new team there, mix it up a little bit. But sure. end of the day, we're going Alabama plus the one and a half. And it's going to be, a, honestly, the other thing about this playoff is that any of the matchups are going to be great, whether it's Alabama versus Texas or Alabama versus Washington or Michigan versus Texas, Michigan versus Washington. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for all of those national championship matchups. Uh, and we do move on now to the All-State Sugar Bowl, Texas versus Washington, the other half of the four-team bracket game being played at Caesars Superdome in New Orleans. We have Texas versus Washington, both uh, – sorry, Texas 12-1, and Washington 13-0, and Pac-12 champion. Texas minus four here, Tyler. Um, I have no doubt that Washington will not be able to run the ball against Texas because no one has been able to do that. Uh, the only team that could you could argue ran well against Texas was Oklahoma, and that was really like a lot of quarterback runs with Dylan Gabriel. Um, I don't think Washington's going to be able to run the ball, but – like now you have a healthy Michael Penix, um, the uh, the second wide receiver opposite of Adunze. Um, I can't remember his name. The guy who missed most of the year for Washington came back in the uh, Pac-12 championship game and had a great game. Like they have two of the best wide receivers in the whole country for Washington. And if Texas can't get a pass rush, I again I don't think that anyone's going to run on them. But if they can't get to Penix. This could be a long day for Texas. Like all year against Texas, we saw a lot of teams were able to, to create explosive plays offensively, especially in the passing game. Um, and that's like what Washington wants. To, like the, I love this matchup because these are two teams that like mirror each other. Like you have two offenses that are explosive with great talent on the perimeter, two coaches that are really, really good at scheming wide receivers open for big plays. I think Texas is a little better at running the ball overall, but they don't have Jonathan Brooks, right? And so that that affects them. I think Penix is a better quarterback than Quinn Ewers, but I think that Sark does a better job at getting Ewers easy throws that like go for explosive plays. Like if you watch that Big 12 championship game that Texas had, Ewers had like 400 yards, but like the vast, like 250 of it was yards after catch. 
Like there, he's really good at creating like screenplays and other things where Ewers hits a short throw and the guy runs it for 25 yards, right? And so right. Penix is better at finding deep shots. And again, like if Texas cannot get to him and they give him time, he's going to pick you apart. And honestly, he's even better at play action. Like if they can, if they can get a couple of run plays going enough to make the play action useful, that will make Washington really deadly. But again, I think the play action won't work as well against Texas because they're not going to respect the running ability. I think Texas is so good at stopping the run that it's going to limit the amount of play action plays for Washington. I think that bodes well for Texas. I can't wait to see what Sark has dialed up. Um, I do give the the coaching edge to Kalen DeBoer, but I think that like overall I give it to DeBoer, but I think that Sark is even better at scheming You know, big, big offensive plays. I can't wait for this matchup. I think I'm leaning Texas minus four here, Tyler, but I'm terrified either way. Does, is this a bet for you? It is, and I've got Washington, so let's make it a bet for game, Will. Oh. So here, here, here's my pitch. Okay. We have Oklahoma State and Texas tonight. Yeah, and, and right. then we have Ohio State and... 10-6, uh, current update. And Mizzou. So we could end tied. So this would break that tie no matter. This ends going us with into an, the national this ends us with an game. odd number of games. Well, well, going into so we'd have to like force bet the national championship if we don't bet on this game. Right. Okay. I yeah, see. What so you're so this gives us an odd number. Mm. If you were to take Texas minus the four. Uh, oh, it's terrifying because uh, Washington, I think, is really good. And again, I think Kalen DeBoer is like criminally underrated head coach. Um. Okay, let's make it a bet board. Hook them horns, baby. Let's go Texas. All right, there we go. Oh, I didn't boy. do that, but I'm tr- yeah, let me do it one more time. <laughs> I love that. All right, so um, we got a bet board game. Uh, I think that this is a little too much love for Texas, okay? It is so... I love how... Texas is back? I love how the sports fans' mind works because, like, what Will just said, it's actually turned into a... A, a bit, a shtick on this show and like every other college show out there is Texas back, right? I mean, they made the playoff. That's over back, the, right? No, no, no. But my point is over the last like five years, like 10 years, like it's been always constantly this team can never win the big game. Sure. This year they beat Alabama and they revert to old Texas, which is you lose to Oklahoma, you do what you're supposed to do in the Big 12. What has changed outside of two good quarters I'll give it to him, and you have to give him credit for going on the road and beating Alabama. I get that. I totally get that. Let's not discount it. But aside from those couple quarters where they played amazing football, what have they done to prove that they belong, I think, in this stage to be for the best? It's one thing to be a pick'em. It's one thing to be an underdog. They now have the expectations of being a four-point favorite in this stage where I agree with you, the better coaching staff is with Washington. And that's where I want to start my handicap. I give the edge to Washington. Okay, I think Kalen DeBoer is way better as a systematic coach. I will give Sarkeesian the nod for recruiting. I think he can recruit his ass off. He may be, Stark, the best recruiter in the country. You know, as a head coach, I like I know a lot of these staffs like Saban and Lane Kiffin all have amazing recruiters around them. Same yeah. thing with Sark. Whew, he brings in talent like almost no one else. So they are good at different things. But I think in this sort of situation, Caleb DeBoer is that X's and O's coach. Matter of fact, look at the numbers. DeBoer in his career is 103 and 11. He's 24 and 2 at Washington. Yep. I mean, just such a different level. With weeks to prepare, I believe that edge is actually magnified. Sark can't do much in the transfer portal over these couple weeks for this season, so I think that's magnified. Now, my base power ratings, to be as precise as possible, 
I have Texas minus 3.46. So I've got Texas about just under three and a half points better. Yep. That's a big half point that we're working with here, in my opinion. And I think once you start breaking some of these things down, like we talked about with the extra time, that only leads towards upgrading Washington, even if you're going to keep Texas at a flat neutral with that. FEI ratings. I've got Texas 15th overall offense, 7th overall defense. Washington FEI, 6th overall offense, 17th overall defense. Two very good teams. One really good on offense, Washington. One very good on defense in Texas. And I do believe, actually, Texas will find their their spots offensively as well. We'll get there in a second. But uh, that's kind of where they are elite, at least, have shined this year. Washington has arguably arguably the toughest schedule in all of football. Will, do you remember those three ratings I talked about earlier in the year, like the three strength of schedule ratings? Yep. In all three of those, Washington has the number two strength of schedule, the third hardest, number three, and the number one. Mm. In those same ratings, Texas is like 33, 25, and, and five, right? So I'm not saying it's a bad schedule, but I'm saying overall, we can't. And if you're handicapping out there with this notion of, well, Washington, how good really are they? Do they deserve to be here? Are they a, some Pac-12 team? Uh-uh. Washington is that team. Like, they are a great team. They deserve to be here. This is not last year's TCU, who beat Michigan, by the way. But this is not them. This is a much, much better team. All the numbers people would agree that that's the case. Now, I'm not saying a blowout on either way. But Washington could blow Texas out. Texas could blow Washington out, of course. I'm not saying that's impossible. What I'm saying is... Washington deserves to be here according to these rankings, in my opinion. So um, what we've talked about all year also is that offense tends to win the big games, or, or at least offense in the modern era of football is a better indicator compared to defense, which it used to be. And Washington, this year, has the number one passing offense in the country. They've gotten healthy these last few weeks too, especially Penix, he's the biggest one. And I think that matters a lot. I really do. Now, let's talk about that big, bruising, fantastic defensive line for Texas. Because yep. Texas, one thing, one of their real, real strength is that big defensive line, which has helped contribute to the third best rushing defense in the country. I mean, Texas is allowing just over 80 yards per game. Very, very good defense. But I see a defensive line that is very, very versatile, but very, very big. And they're good at clogging things up, attacking from all angles. I wouldn't say Texas necessarily has an elite pass rush. Okay, This is reflected in their sack stats. They're only 39th in the country in sacks per game. I think they're getting like 2.4 sacks per game. You compare that to top five in many rush defense stats, and you see a defensive line here that is big, but can be taken advantage of if they face a team like Washington, that doesn't want to go one-on-one and just run the football. They're going to do things DeBoer is offensively that's not going to allow Texas to use that big defensive line as a weapon. So the only thing here that is not like this 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 great matchup for Washington, I would say, or not a great matchup, but um, I would say that that's the one thing in this matchup for a Washington team who does actually prefer to throw it, right? The number one passing team in the country they don't really fall into the trap of, well, we run it, but Texas stops the run, so what are they supposed to do, right? They, they're not going to do that anyway. Now, I think you have to run the football, but this is a team that all year, even against Oregon, and again, the number one schedule, number two schedule, number three schedule, however you want to look at it, they've been able to do different things and be very versatile with their own offense. So I think the time adds to DeBoer's 
ability to add to this offense who's already shown that they can throw the football, and that's not really where Texas is their best on defense. Um, again, they're third best in the country, giving up uh, however many yards it was on the ground, 80.1 or whatever, 81.1. But they are still Texas's 86 in the country and passing yards a lot per game, right? So I think that there could be an opening on there for uh, Washington to throw the football. Now, let's stick on defense, but go to Washington because I do wonder what kind of pass rush Washington can generate, right? When we're talking about Texas having the football, what's it going to look like? And I actually do think that Texas will move the football. I think both offenses are going to find success here. I tend to lean the over. Oh, to- I think, totally I think, uh, think both teams are going to score, yes. Yeah, I think that we're going to see some points. I think it will be see both teams have success. So I actually don't want to be so anti-Texas because I do think we see points, and I think Texas does find success. I think Texas can run the football, and they can pass it here. I think that... Washington will find some early game struggles settling into what Texas wants to do. Texas also, like you mentioned, very fast. I want to get to the outside. And Washington, not the fastest team themselves. They also have uh, trouble tackling. So I look at all these things together, and I understand where Texas will have their uh, edges and will have their opportunities on offense. I just think given 60 minutes, given the coaching mismatch, what I perceive to be a coaching mismatch, um, you know, Washington... I think they can stay close. So four points is big for me. I don't like this three and a half, but I do it four. So we got a bet board game. Last one of the year, potentially, I got Washington. Incredible. So live update, by the way. Oklahoma State's up 17-6. to six. Texas A&M has the ball. So I'm going to need Missouri, and I'm going to need Texas to come through and get me this bet board victory, and then I can go out finally on top wouldn't that yep. be amazing that would be um follow us on twitter at cfp underscore pod uh join the patreon patreon.com slash college ball tailgate we will be back the wednesday following uh round one of uh, of the playoffs That's next wednesday yeah next wednesday exactly yeah. so um uh, thanks for listening we'll see you soon